Welcome to the Prosperous Life Podcast. Practical information about what the Bible really says about money and prosperity. It may not be what you've been taught. And now, here's your host, the author of Poverty vs. Wealth, Reverend Roger Breaker. Since this is the time of year when many people's thoughts turn to the birth of Jesus Christ, it might be nice to look at how Jesus Christ was born and lived. Much of Christianity has depicted Christ, the Messiah, as a poor man. Born to a poor family, lived life eking out living as a poor carpenter, and died a poor man on the cross. Because of a lack of understanding of Eastern culture, religion or tradition teaches that Jesus was a poor man. Religion or tradition says that he was poor because he was born in a manger or a barn, wrapped in rags. His father was a carpenter, and he said of himself that he had no permanent home. Therefore, they say at the end of his life, he died a poor man on the cross. And if we are true disciples of this, quote, poor man, end of quote, we should renounce all worldly possessions to follow him. Here's a couple of quotes from websites I found. The English word swaddling indicates that these were clothes in which a baby was wrapped. But the Greek word swaddling indicates that these clothes were pieces of old cast-off clothing which were cut into strips and wrapped around the baby. This surely was not the kind of clothing that a baby of rich parents would be wrapped in. He would be dressed in decent clothing. But Jesus was wrapped in rags. He was born poor. Joseph and Mary were poor. Here's another quote. Just as he was poor in respect of material things, so must we give up earthly riches to be his disciples. Here's another quote. This poverty of Jesus, which was evident in his birth, was an indication that he would be poor his whole life. Jesus was never rich in material goods. A line from the little drummer boy. I'm a poor boy, too. Well, I beg to differ. To understand the topic of Jesus' financial status in life, one needs to start at and consider his birth. From the book Jesus Christ, Our Promised Seed, one can begin to understand Eastern customs regarding childbirth. Whenever a son of a king or a prince was born, the child was, quote, salted, end of quote, and swaddled, end of quote. To salt a child meant that soon after the birth, the newborn babe was gently washed with water having a small portion of salt in it. Salt symbolized the qualities of truth and honesty. Bathing a newborn in salt water indicated that the child would have these characteristics. His words would be, quote, salted, end of quote. In other words, he would speak the truth. After salting the newborn child, strips of fine linen cloth about two inches wide were then wrapped around his body. These were called swaddling clothes. The child was wrapped from head to foot, with only a part of his face being left uncovered so he could breathe. The baby's body and limbs were held very straight when he was wrapped in this fashion. These linen strips were not rags and did not mean that Joseph and Mary were poverty-stricken, but rather, this was a sign to God that these parents would raise the child to be upright before the Lord. He would be free from crookedness and waywardness. The babe, which now looked like a mummy, would normally be left in the swaddling clothes for only a brief period of time, maybe 15 to 20 minutes, while the parents took time to meditate 
and make their commitment to God concerning the sacred trust which was given to them in having the child. Salting and swaddling were recognizable as significant to an Eastern person. In biblical times, any child born to nobility or royalty would be salted and swaddled. If this were not done, there would be doubt regarding the person's integrity, both in his youth and in his adulthood. If the parents of a noble-born son had not salted and swaddled their son, the young man would always be suspected of being dishonest, unreliable, and having no integrity. But Joseph and Mary did bathe Jesus in salted water, then swaddled him because they knew he was the rightful heir to the throne of King David. If you knew a child was swaddled, you knew without saying that he had been salted. Jesus and Mary had gone back to Bethlehem, their ancestral home, for the registration of the order on the order of Caesar. Both were of the house of David, and Bethlehem was the home of King David. Therefore, to Bethlehem they went. So many people came for the registration for the enrollment that the inn was full. So they bedded down in the manger, which was a stone building attached behind the inn where the food and bedding for animals was stored. In our culture, it would be like a hayloft or a haymow. They would have laid a sheet on the straw, and Mary and her newborn would have slept together, as was the custom of mothers and newborns, to sleep together in the lands and times of the Bible. This bedding down in the manger was because the inn was full, not because they were poor. They were not poor, poverty-stricken people, as we will see. Sometime later, the Bible says wise men or magi came to see the young child. They brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We've all seen pictures of three men, so-called kings, coming with three small boxes. The Bible does not refer to them as kings, nor does it say there were three men. It only names the three types of gifts the magi brought. In the lands and times of the Bible, there were three people you were required to bring a gift to if you went to visit them, kings, prophets, and pregnant women. In the record we are considering, these men came to see him that was born king of the Judeans, the Messiah. They knew he was not just another king, but the Redeemer, the one prophesied about all through the Old Testament. The Bible gives us a couple of examples of the type of gifts brought to a king or a prophet. In 2 Kings 5, 5, it says, And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he, Naaman, departed, and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. Raiment was so valuable at that time, it was treated as money. Then in Second Chronicles 9, 1, it says, And when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem with a very great company, and camels that bear spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him all that was in her heart. This should give you an idea of the gifts brought to a king, much more than would fit in three small boxes. Also, because of bandits that preyed on travelers in the lands and times of the Bible, most travelers traveled in very great caravans. Nova did a documentary many years ago called Searching for the Lost City of Ubar. Ubar was an instrumental city involved in the frankincense trade. The large caravans of merchants came through it. The searchers found the old caravan routes. The ruts were still there, 
in the hard-packed ground. The ruts were 70 camels wide, with no indication of how deep the lines went. This is how they traveled safely with their wealth in that day and time. So when the Magi came to pay their respects to the heir of the throne of King David, most likely they came with a great caravan and a great number of presents. It's been said that the kings in the Eastern world many times had multiple sons because of the great wealth they were presented with at the time of their son's birth. They became very wealthy men. Now, after the visit from the Magi, God spoke to Joseph, Matthew 2, 13-14. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. In today's money, how much would it cost you to leave your home on an hour's notice and move to another country? You not only had the expenses of travel, car rental, airline tickets, food, etc., but now you need to buy or rent a new home, furnish it, set yourself up in business again. That would be expensive. But Jesus' father, God, gave Joseph plenty of wealth to carry out what God asked him to do. Joseph must have been a wise man that knew how to handle money and not waste it as the prodigal son did with riotous living. This is interesting. Then a few years later, God came to Joseph again and told him it was time to return home, and he moved his family all over again. Once again, God had provided Joseph and Mary with all the funds they needed to take care of God's only begotten son. They moved back, got a new home, set their business up over again. From reading the parables in the Gospels, one gets the impression that Jesus was raised in a home where there were servants, because many of the parables deal with the goodman of the house and his servants. He must have understood firsthand how a Lord worked with servants. Here's an example. Matthew 25, 14 to 15. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. This understanding is not something that a young poor man working at minimum wage would know about. There's another one, Luke twelve forty-two through 44 And the Lord said, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find him so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, he will make him ruler over all that he hath. Jesus well understood what it was like to be to live in a home with servants. This teaching that Jesus was poor, lived poor, died poor, and that we are to renounce all worldly possessions to be a true follower of him, falls into the category of doctrines of devils. It has served to keep God's children in bondage financially for centuries. Another verse that's used to show that Jesus was poor is in Matthew 8, 19-20. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. They used these verses to say Jesus was a poor man. This is an idiom or an Eastern expression. Foxes dig a hole when they have a mate and are ready to raise a family. 
and birds build a nest when they're ready to lay eggs. Jesus was saying in an Eastern way, an idiom, I'm not married. I have no permanent place to stay and entertain you. The people loved Jesus and knew who he was. Every home was open to him. This was true of every holy man in Eastern culture. He was not poverty stricken, but he was simply not married and had no permanent resting place. The man in the verse above was looking to be taken care of and not have to work. Jesus knew this and thus his response. He wore a seamless tunic or robe. John 19.23 from the NIV. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from the top to the bottom. This seamless garment was very costly and usually worn under the outer garments. Mostly, only wealthy and royalty owned them. Most robes or tunics were made of two pieces of cloth sewn together. However, this was woven from the top to the bottom as one continuous garment. Therefore, they cast lots for the tunic when he was crucified to see who would get it. He was not a poor man. I'm not presenting this to encourage people to strive after riches, but my purpose here in writing this is to show that Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, was well taken care of by his Father. We have the same Father he did. Jesus Christ is our brother. There are a great many promises of prosperity God has put in his word for us, his children, to believe. Born a poor man, died a poor man on the cross, I beg to differ. Thanks for listening to the Prosperous Life Podcast. Want more information? Why not join Roger in the discussions at the Prosperous Life Group on Facebook? Or subscribe to Roger's Prosperous Life blog at rogerbreaker.com. And always remember, God said, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers.